You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the game day uh, edition of Locked On Vikings. We don't get these very often. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off of your next order. And of course, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And there is a game today, or maybe there was a game, if you're coming to this after the game was played, to check in on the bold predictions, which is something we do every episode right before the game is played. So there are some bold predictions coming up later in the show, uh, but we have a whole bunch of stuff from the weekend to chat about. Uh, so we're not going to c- talk about the Bears too much today. Uh, if you want some Bears content, go listen to the Thursday, Friday episodes. Uh, those two have crossover Thursday, of course, with Lauren Cox of Locked on Bears for a more generalized sense. And then for a couple of uh, more in-depth takes and kind of predictions that I had, uh, you can go listen to the Friday show. But uh, let's dive into some of the stuff that happened over the course of the weekend. The biggest news out of TCO Performance Center was the cut of Pat Elfline. This happened on Friday after the Friday show went up where we were talking about, ooh, you know, maybe this is like kind of a referendum on the guard position. Are they going to, you know, play Elfline at left guard and then Cleveland at right guard? Or are they going to put Elfline back at his position? You know, what do they really think of this this Ezra Cleveland performance, which to be honest is kind of hard to evaluate. Kind of thought we were going to get some answers there. And, and I, in a way, we really have. The Vikings released uh, Pat Elfline on Friday. He's off IR. He's perfectly healthy. So he's free to, you know, go play with whoever now that uh, like once he passes their COVID protocols and and all of that. And so now the interior offensive line is going to be, I guess, for the foreseeable future, uh, Dakota Dozier and Ezra Cleveland. And then, of course, uh, Garrett Bradbury at center as kind of a part of this. They put uh, Brett Jones up to the active roster. He's going to be the the backup center the way it worked before. If Bradbury got injured, Elfline would kick over and you do something else at right guard. Now it's just going to be, I think, Brett Jones is a center. They don't view Brett Jones as a guard, which has always been, I guess, a little strange to people. He's also uh, been kind of on and off rosterable quality to them. So now they like I take kind of a big hit to their depth as well. You know, even if you were to bench Elfline, he would have been that kind of swing backup. So this is obviously very confusing because they just spent a whole bunch of time working Pat Elfline, building up Pat Elfline, talking about how much they like Elfline. You know, the young people talk about how Elfline was a mentor to them and how Elfline could kind of help them, you know, uh, through, especially through like rehab and stuff, because Elfline went through some really, really rough rehab periods. But of course, he was always struggling. He was never that good. I've got a couple of podcasts, I think, that are titled something like if Pat Elfline shouldn't start, Pat Elfline isn't good enough. The fact that the Vikings trotted out Elfline after the samples that we had seen of him is kind of a team building failure. And now the fact that they're releasing him um, almost makes it worse. You know, I mean, it, it's one thing to complain about a starter, but the guy who couldn't beat out that starter, you know, that's that's going to be worse. And I think that that's Dakota Dozier, right? Dakota Dozier couldn't beat out uh, Pat Elfline in a direct roster competition. Um, neither could Ezra Cleveland. Obviously, that's different because he like developed and stuff. Um, but the, the, the look of this move is pretty poor, not to mention the context uh, kind of surrounding it 
with, you know, the the general struggles to find NFL caliber interior offensive linemen that have kind of plagued the Vikings since the days of Steve Hutchins. And okay, so the reasoning for this, I think it's pretty obvious that it has a lot to do with Ezra Cleveland. They okay, so they like Ezra Cleveland. They're they're gonna go with Cleveland over Pat Elfline. I think that's a perfectly reasonable move. I'm sure a lot of people agree with it. I'm I don't know if I like emphatically agree uh, with it, but I certainly don't see it as like a dumb move or anything like that to to bench Elfline in favor of Cleveland in uh in in the the light of the last few games that Cleveland has played, but cutting him outright is different than benching him again. Elfline could have been a very valuable swing backup. If Garrett Bradbury goes down, you put an Elfline at center. The drop-off there isn't nearly as bad as Garrett Bradbury to Brett Jones, at least not in my opinion. I think the same thing exists with, you know, Dakota Dozier, and then who are you putting in? Like, Aviant Collins, he hasn't played rosterably at guard, not in... Uh, not at least not in the way that I've seen. He's been a decent sixth offensive lineman in like heavy sets, but that's been about it. So you've opened yourself up to this really big depth issue. And I guess the reasons to do that are are twofold, at least that I can come up with. One, you're doing right by Pat Elfline. You're not going to extend him. You're going to let him walk in free agency. He's healthy. He can play somewhere. Go give him a chance to get an audition. And I, and I think, you know, there's no real like tangible benefit to that, right? You're, you're not going to get like compensatory picks for that. And I believe now that they've cut him in the middle of the season, I do believe that they do, he's not eligible for the comp formula anymore. So if he goes and signs a huge contract somewhere, don't think I would don't think he would, but if he did, uh then you would not get any compensatory draft picks and you would have if you just waited to the end of the season. So you are like sacrificing something, but I think there's also something to be said for, you know, the Vikings are a team that agents and players know are are, are good to negotiate with and it, it it gets a lot easier to get players to the table and to get deals done when you have that reputation, you know things are going to happen in good faith and ultimately over time that might shave a little bit off, you know, somebody who likes you might sign a 3.5 million dollar contract and if they don't like you, they would only sign a $4 million contract or something. And and those benefits can kind of stack up over time. Um, But the tangible benefit of this has to kind of be viewed as like a part of a greater whole. Um, Obviously, just doing right by your player does not net you any cap space or draft picks, but it does net a little bit of cap space, almost a million dollars, like 890k or something like that. Uh, So the the last seven game checks that the Vikings would have paid to Elfline, they will not have to pay to Elfline now. Um, So that's a little bit of cap space that can roll over and help 2021 that much. But that's like a tiny amount of money, right? Like that is a pretty small benefit. Like that little amount of money, it'll help something, but you you can't, what can you get for 890K? You can get somebody for the vet minimum in an emergency situation in the middle of the season. That's not like a, a lot. And you might've just created an emergency situation. So I don't really think the cap space is worth this move. Uh, and I And I don't know if like, doing right by your player is worth it either. Like I get that there's an, an advantage there, but you're putting yourself at quite a big risk. If one of the interior, I mean, the, the, the interior O-line is not good to begin with. And if one of those guys goes down, you're doing this Drusamia circus again, you're doing a, a Brett Jones thing and the, and the Vikings don't view him as rosterable. You're doing Avion Collins. Vikings didn't view him as rosterable, or you're putting in some young and like Kyle Hinton, who's clearly not going to be ready. So I don't love the move. I, I, I wasn't a big fan of, of Pat Elfline, and I don't think that he should have been starting, but I think he's a backup quality offensive lineman, and the Vikings of all teams losing a backup quality offensive lineman seems a little brash. It seems a little bit overly risky for not that much reward, um, and I, I just... I. 
shudder the thought that this bites the Vikings in the butt. And that's kind of what happened. What with Drew Samia getting put on COVID IR uh, and, you know, God forbid there's another injury, we're going to be in really, really dire straits. We'll talk about all that and some of the other weird roster stuff that happened and uh, the finalized injury report as well uh, on the other side here. So stick around. Okay, let's talk about the final injury report uh, so there wasn't a much change from the last time we talked about the injury report. We had only seen the Thursday edition with Irv Smith Jr. was a DNP. Uh, CJ Ham also hadn't been practicing. He fully practiced on Saturday. He's going to play Cameron Dantzler, uh, out with his concussion. He had been limited all week. He was questionable, uh, when the final injury report came out. And then on, uh, I, I think late Saturday, early Sunday, somewhere like that, uh, he was downgraded to out as well. Um, you also had Fadio Denebo and Adam Thielen on the injury report. Nothing to worry about there. The Chicago injury report is also kind of the way it always looked. There's, uh, they've got a lot of questionables that are worth, uh, keeping an eye on like Allen Robinson, Jason Spriggs, Cole Komet, uh, Mitch Trubisky out with a shoulder injury. So even if Nick Foles plays poorly, or you don't have to worry about weird Taysom Hill stuff that actually does kind of change things from a schematic standpoint. Uh, the, the bears were trying to use Mitch Trubisky as like a Taysom Hill type, uh, gadget player almost, but he hurt his shoulder on like the first time they tried to do that. And I, I think that's something that you would maybe want to prepare for. And I don't have to. That's really nice. David Montgomery out with a concussion. So the running game is going to be at maybe the Cordero Patterson show. Um, and so we'll have to uh, keep an eye out for how all of the, the questionables in the Bears injury report uh, shakes out. Maybe one of the biggest things uh, to keep an eye on, and maybe, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, we'll know how the final round of testing went, so we'll know how uh, the status of the game is, but right now the Vikings have had a positive COVID-19 test. That's uh, Drew Samia. Drew Samia tested positive for COVID-19. The uh, assistant line coach, Phil Rosher, also did not travel with the team to Chicago. The contact tracing that they do uh, deemed him too high a risk. He'd been in too close a contact with Drew Samia. He was the only person that had to be left at home due to the contact tracing thing, which is nice. Uh, it's probably due to some of the stricter like social distancing protocols that the Vikings have in their organization. But Drew Samia won't be uh, a part of the team now for a couple of weeks here. Unless, of course, he's an asymptomatic case or whatever. We kind of just have to uh, look look at all of that. Uh, I hope he's an asymptomatic case. That would obviously be much better. Uh, but for a while, we won't have Drew Samia. So we have a, a paper-thin interior offensive line going on here uh, with just like Brett Jones and Aviant Collins are kind of the backups if anybody goes down. So we're pretty much stuck here. If Ezra Cleveland starts struggling, if Bradbury starts struggling, if Dozier starts struggling, all things we have seen, the Vikings have sort of painted themselves into a corner again with a player that is prone to struggle and now that player has no choice but to struggle. There's no recourse uh, for moving that around in the middle of a game. And you usually don't want to be like pulling linemen in the middle of a game anyways, just for like chemistry reasons. But even in the long term, you know, you don't have any option. They just kind of have to endure whatever happens here. It is kind of unfortunate timing. I wonder if the, the Drew Samia COVID case would have changed their minds about Elfline. Maybe they would have kept Elfline in the building and he would have been able to provide some of that depth if you did want to bench him ultimately. There's also a couple of uh, miscellaneous roster things that we have to talk about, and then we can get finally into the the bold predictions. Uh, Jordan Brailford also, for personal reasons, uh, is not going to be at the game. The defensive end they got from Washington, some personal thing going on there, so he won't be there. And to fill the active roster spots, I think they only had 51 on the roster 
uh, to that point, they promoted Brett Jones, of course, and Brandon Dillon. Uh, they can all, uh, always activate other people as well. Tyler Conklin probably gets the, the t- tight end two spot, and he's actually been reasonable when he's been called upon. Um, and then Brandon Dillon will come in in like three tight end sets or if they want to do any rotation or anything like that. So they can kind of still have full access to their playbook. Uh, Brandon Dillon, probably not the blocker that Irv Smith is. Irv Smith has been a very good blocker this year. So running out of those three tight end sets is going to be more difficult. Uh, but a big point of those three tight end sets is to make it look like a run and then do a play action pass. And now you've got three like move tight. You've got, uh, you know, Kyle Rudolph, Brandon Dillon, and uh, and Tyler Conklin. Those are all people who can go out and run around. So they'll at least, you know, have access to their, their full playbook uh, in that regard. So let's start talking about the bold predictions. This is a, a weird week, right? We've got a Monday night game. So I asked you for the bold predictions during Sunday night football uh, or, and on, on Sunday. So thank you guys for everybody who uh, put in for this. Uh, but the first thing we always do with these is we go back over the, uh, the the bold predictions from last week. So we'll talk about the ones from the Lions game here. The first one came from Tanishka, who said KJ Osborne scores on special teams and offense. Didn't get there, but we're going to get a special teams touchdown one of these days. I'm Everybody... There always somebody says there's going to be a special teams touchdown. I'm always going to include it. We will get one of these guys. Dalvin and the Cook Monks said that uh, because we had all the Everson Griffin revenge game stuff going on, that Griffin would be mad and that Kirk hasn't been injured in years, that he would injure Kirk Cousins. We didn't get there. Griffin was kind of a non-factor in that game. Got a sack on Sunday. That was so good for him. Caesar said Chad Beebe catches multiple touchdowns. We didn't get there. I think Chad Beebe got like one, like one good Pretty good play. Uh, Rich said DJ Wanham gets four sacks. I think DJ Wanham got four pressures, so I, pretty good for that. Uh, Gabriel Greco said Marvin Jones finally gets shadowed properly by our cornerbacks out of years of doing whatever he wanted and has zero catches. So Marvin Jones was not a very big factor in this one. So another one in spirit. That was a good prediction. We didn't quite get to the bold part of it, which is the point, right? You should be bold enough where uh, it shouldn't be that easy. Didn't quite get zero catches, but I think uh, they fi- they did fi- kind of finally figure out a way to get rid of Marvin Jones or at least uh, keep him keep him under wraps. Kurt with two C's said the Lions defense is responsible for 14 points against the Vikings via Cousins. Uh, this was hilarious because you said 14, which means you all also needed a safety to make it. You need two touchdowns and a safety because the extra point doesn't count for a defense. Uh, we didn't get anything off of the defense. Thank goodness. Landon Renly said uh, it's going to be a Chase Daniels and Kirk shootout. Eight total passing touchdowns and 500 total air yards. Uh, so not only was this not a Chase Daniel game, uh, I think this came during the moments where we didn't know if Matt Stafford was going to play. Chase Daniel did come into the game, but it was because of concussion issues. Um, And even without that, Kirk Cousins did not. I think he got three passing touchdowns, but only 242 yards. So he didn't even do his half of things. And of course, Chase Daniels didn't do much at all. Uh, And Max Short had the last one who said Everson has a career high in sacks and offsides penalties. Don't think we got any penalties out of Everson Griffin. Yeah, just went and looked it up. No penalties out of Everson Griffin. And of course, no sacks. Uh, They did not even log him with a PFF didn't even log him with a pressure. Although I, I think he actually did get a couple of plays uh, that could have been arguably a pressure, but still definitely far away from this one. So that was last week's bold predictions. I've got a whole list of bold predictions to go over with you guys uh, for this particular game. But first, I want to talk to you about our good old friends, Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It comes in 18 amazing flavors. You've got all your classics like raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, the ones they've had forever. And they also have six new ones that came back in this like uh, most recent wave, like carrot cake and cookies and cream and caramel brownie. And they're pretty good for you. 
considering what they're flavored after, you wouldn't really expect that. But they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're even keto friendly if you're that kind of guy, if you're just trying to be health uh, health conscious, or if you're just trying to lose or maintain weight. For example, let's take the peanut butter one. One of my favorite, I love chocolate and peanut butter, has 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. It's a perfect sweet treat that you can be guilt-free about, but they're covered in 100% chocolate, and you can still feel like you're indulging. So if you want to try it out for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, let's talk about the bold predictions that came from you guys about this week 10 tilt against the Bears. This is going to be really fun because if you get to the show beforehand, it'll be like the normal bold prediction thing, but there is a decent chance that because it, this is going up on Monday morning, you might not get a chance to listen to it on Monday uh, before the game actually starts. So you might be listening to this in hindsight, in which case I hope we don't sound too... Actually, no, I take that back. I hope we sound really stupid. This is a bold prediction segment. We're supposed to be wrong. Uh, so let's start out with Wade Corporon, who says, I don't see a lot of bold predictions here, so I will make one. The offensive line gives up zero sacks. And first things first, Wade, you have a point. You guys need to be a lot bolder. I saw somebody just say that that the Vikings would win, which I know is like funny with the, the whole Soldier Field curse and all that, but they are favored. You can't say something that Vegas is favored. Like you can't do something that's like near a Vegas over under and be like, this is a bold prediction. You got to get wild with it. Uh, the offensive line gives up zero sacks. Actually, isn't that wild. So I would say that for that to be bold has to be that the offensive line gives up zero pressures because Kirk Cousins could just have a game where he checks down a lot, right? And then there's like no sacks uh, or he scrambles or he throws dumb interceptions because of pressure or something like that. But no pressures. That's a genuinely good offensive line game against like Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and all these guys. That would be bold. So I would give you pressures. Wouldn't give you sacks. Brian says, I love this one, uh, 38-7 horrors haunt shy town Zimmer throws Nick Foles into Superior, <laughs> exercising the demons. Uh, and then he said something impossible, which is the Vikes go on to win the Super Bowl after squeaking in as the 16th seed from the NFC. Uh, that's impossible, unless you mean the whole thing with the, the league potentially expanding the playoff field because of COVID cancellations to eight team and the, the NFC 8th seed or the, the 16th team in the playoffs. Maybe that's what you meant, which is awesome. We'll just stick to the 38-7 thing. If this game ends 38 38- seven, I might streak. That would be the my favorite thing ever in the entire world. If this game ends specifically 38 to seven, I would die. Uh, Steezo says, Madison, more touchdowns than Cook. I love it. Oh my goodness. How much would this tilt the fantasy people, right? Uh, if Madison like vultures all the touchdowns and I could actually see it, right? I, I think, you know, Dalvin Cook could have the game or whatever. And then, you know, you get down to the goal line and Madison's the power back, right? Maybe have, have him be, I mean, I think Cook is a phenomenal goal line back and they have been giving Cook uh, the, the goal line reps, but Hey, you know, if you want to do an HB dive and just pound somebody in, maybe he gets the touchdowns. I could see a world where the Vikings make that decision. Uh, Chris, I love this one from Chris who says Kyle Sloter will be strip sacked. So I don't even know if Kyle Sloter is going to be active for the game. So Kyle Sloter is on the Bears practice squad. If you were not aware, Kyle Sloter, he, of uh, Vikings practice, uh, or Vikings preseason fame. Uh, he is on, he might be active for the, I don't think he'll be active for the game though. So we're already in very bold territory because he might not even suit up, but if he does suit up and if Nick Foles gets like benched or hurt or something like that, he has to come in and then get strip sacked. You, you won the lottery, my dude. Mr. Predictable says Boyd's stat line, Chris Boyd's stat line, uh, zero for zero for zero, meaning he'll give up zero catches for zero yards, no touchdowns, nothing like that, or zero, uh, of zero targets. Maybe is that what you meant? But a, a, a shutdown game for Chris Boyd. 
Uh, assuming he stays healthy, that would be kind of nuts, uh, especially because he'll probably play sides. So you might get like Darnell Mooney, who's been having this great. You might get Allen Robinson, who's questionable for the game, but still will probably play just fine. Uh, that would be pretty intense for Chris Boyd to get that, but he has to play for me to give that to you. I'm pretty sure he's going to play. I don't think there's any change to the cornerback group that played last week. Uh, but you know, just in case I'm, I'm wrong, I'm doing the math wrong. Uh, I, I will say he has to play. He can't like get injured in the first play or anything like that. Uh, Skeletor says Justin Jefferson goes for three touchdowns. This is a little more standard than what we've been having. We had some really weird ones in this lately, but I like the weird ones. So whatever. Uh, but Justin Jefferson for three touchdowns, listen, three touchdowns would be insane. That's a really, that's, that's quite the shot to call. So I'm giving it to you on boldness, but I really like, uh, the, the odds for this one to turn out. Like I mentioned on Friday, they've got a bit of a weakness in the slot. They like to leave everybody man-to-man. They've got Buster Screen on Justin Jefferson. I could see some damage being done here. Uh, Three touchdowns would be a pretty cool shot call, but I like your odds, Skeletor. Uh, Tyler Forness says Dakota Dozier has a run blocking grade of 70 plus and a pass blocking grade of 40 or less. That's hilarious. So Dakota Dozier's grades this year uh, have been pretty underwhelming. I think he's always been overshadowed by 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 the saga that has happened at right guard. Uh, but his grades this year, he has actually gone below 40 twice in pass blocking, but he's never gone over 70 except for one game at Indianapolis. Uh, this actually happened at Indianapolis uh, this prediction would have had. He got a 77.9 in run blocking and a 25.1 in pass blocking. So this has happened before, but calling that would happen again is a pretty cool. I like, I like the structure of this one. This is a fun one. Uh, but I, I guess I could see it, right? It's happened before. Um, but honestly, Dakota Dozier thriving in any way in this game against uh, like Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack, like that would be pretty intense. That'd be a pretty cool shot call. Ryan Quarney Quarn sorry, uh, says Kirk rushes for over 75 yards and has two rushing touchdowns. I, I don't know why, like, these have had Kirk Cousins rushing stats in, like, every week. I don't know what it is with you guys and Kirk Cousins, like, rushing for a whole bunch of yards, but I, I kind of love it. So Kirk Cousins is not really known as a scrambler, right? But he's a decent athlete for a quarterback, uh, and, and he, I mean, he can get out, he can run, he can, like, show off some speed, and he has done that before. I mean, he's not going to Lamar Jackson this, right? But he can, he can you know, be a threat, and I, I think be a, a little bit more of like a modest but good enough to to do it i think he's got decent enough wheels the two rushing touchdowns is also interesting because you can kind of cheese this with qb sneaks and the vikings have gotten qb sneak touchdowns with Kirk cousins before so like this is absolutely not outside of the realm of possibility um 75 yards is a lot though that means something had to break there had to be some co- sort of broken coverage but it's not like the bears are going to spy or anything like that you could get him on a bootleg maybe he gets around maybe you know khalil mack trips when he's trying to chase down the bootleg and suddenly Kirk cousins is left all alone uh you could get something weird like at the end of a half or something like that in a hail mary situation he just like goes and tries to scramble um and and try to you know get out of bounds or something like that if you have enough time and maybe you could rack up rushing yards that way listen if kirk rushes for over 75 that's very bold but i think the idea of kirk cousins uh rushing for a particular stat line and like actually racking up some rushing yards is definitely not unheard of. So I don't hate your odds of actually cashing this one, although it is definitely high enough to be sufficiently bold. The last one that I want to talk to you about comes from Kyle Slaby, and it's the last one because it's the boldest, and it says nothing weird happens. It's not a house of horrors for us. We win 20 to 14 in a boring game. I love it. (laughs) 
Let's do that. It's easy, right? I mean, this has always been the house of horrors. This has always been the the Vikings have a, I'll I'll link it in the show notes. Again, I've talked about this article a couple times, but there's a mailbag article at The Athletic with Arif Hassan. uh, And somebody asked like, hey, what's the deal with Soldier Field? And he was like, well, is that really in effect? And he actually went in and like found the the EPA differentials and stuff and, and compiled it all. And basically at Soldier Field, the Vikings underperform what they would normally do by a touchdown. And that's after adjusting for like it being on the road and adjusting for other factors and stuff. They just like, are a touchdown worse in Soldier Field. Why that is, is you'd kind of have to ask a player and they would probably lie to you and give you a platitude. Uh, But it has always been a house of horrors. So it is absolutely bold enough to say that this is not a house of horrors and that the Vikings would just like have a normal game. And I like that you also had that we win 20 to 14. Well, you don't need to get the score exactly for that one. If we win in a boring game uh, and, and it's a completely like normal football, like not it's Monday night, Kirk Cousins, like something crazy has to happen. Even if it's like that he plays well and he throws for four touchdowns or something wild like that, I'd probably give it to, like we, we need to have no weird special teams plays. We're not talking about special teams. We're not talking about uh, weird fumble ruski stuff. We're not talking about anything that is sufficiently chaotic. I, I think like regular turnovers and stuff would probably be fine. It, like normal games have turnovers, right? Like a fumble. Normal games have like bad ref calls. I don't think that that's something that's like house of horrorsy. I think it's more like nothing like deeply surprising that leaves us going. What happened to this team that we can only chalk up to like the Soldier Field mojo? That's that's what would would ruin this prediction. We'll have to come back to it next Friday when we actually. Uh, talk about all of these bold predictions again for the next game but that's gonna do it i hope you guys enjoy the game uh i hope that if you or i hope you enjoyed it if you're listening after uh we'll be back on tuesday morning to uh to recap the game in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. I will be doom tweeting about this. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And as always, Skull.